0: From the Capital City, I'm Kevin Allen. Capital City Fire and Rescue is on scene at the 1200 block of Glacier Avenue looking for a fire in a building in the area. According to CCIFR's Facebook page, no one was in the building at the time of the fire. Following the historic storm impacting western Alaska from the remnants of Typhoon Murbach, Governor Mike Dunleavy said he will be submitting a request for a federal disaster declaration. A damage assessment is now taking place with the state, local governments, regional entities, and the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Governor Dunleavy held a briefing yesterday evening. He said there still have been no deaths reported.
1: Uh, we're happy to report that the uh, individual that was missing during the storm was found safe and in fact with their family. So there's been no uh, reported injuries. There's been no uh, uh, individuals reported missing. And there's been no... Uh, uh, no depth as a result, direct result of this storm.
0: He was asked his feelings that the federal government will help.
1: Well, that's uh, certainly our hope. Again, what we think, we don't know until we do the final assessment here tomorrow the next day. Um, but We think that a lot of the damage is going to be uh, as a result of erosion on roads, um, some structures, maybe some power poles, etc. So um, certainly um, uh, we believe that that's, uh, that's fitting for the uh, federal government to help with that.
0: If approved, at least 75% of eligible disaster costs would be covered by FEMA, with the state picking up the rest. Director of Homeland Security Emergency Management in the state, Brian Fisher, spoke to the number of impacted homes.
2: As of this afternoon, we saw 63 homes uh, across the entire path of the storm that have reported damage locally and and up to us so far, varying degrees of damage from some being blown or floated off their foundations to typical wind damage, to siding and and roofs, those kind of things. So that number is not, uh, you know, that will likely change over the days as we get more and more information.
0: Major General Torres Sachs of the Alaska National Guard said state defense force members were sent to assist in the recovery process.
2: As far as
1: the military is concerned, so far we've activated about 20 of the state defense force and we're going to activate about 40 at least on the National Guard side as well. Here in Bethel, this is one of the places where we're going to have the guardsmen, also in Hooper Bay and in Nome. So when we have that, we can go forward and we can do what we need to do.
0: According to the U.S. Coast Guard, Typhoon Murbach produced extreme weather and sea conditions along the coastline of Alaska with some waves reaching 54 feet. There are a great deal of grants the Alaska Department of Transportation is seeking from infrastructure repair to a whole new kind of ferry. Commissioner Ryan Anderson spoke to that while at last week's Southeast Conference meeting.
3: The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and these discretionary grants. Um, Our folks, along with the Alaska Municipal League, uh, Southeast Conference has been involved. We've really been pushing on applying for all these dollars Um, to the extent that just this past week we submitted over $285 million and rural ferry and low emission ferry discretionary grant applications. So those are those are all good solid projects for Alaska to rebuild our docks, um, modernize our vessels, and um, also includes applying for building our first electric ferry in Alaska. Um, on top of that, well, we had an additional 270 million in multimodal projects discretionary grants and port infrastructure discretionary grants. So that that's another program that you know we're we're going after it and we're leveraging it. And that's over $500 million just for the Alaska Marine Highway System alone that we're competing for that we think we have a pretty good shot at.
0: Anderson said they are seeking $300 million in grant applications for state highways and bridges. He talked about the state grants as well to local communities.
3: We have another $300 million in grant applications that we have out there for highways and bridges, um, all of our infrastructure for transportation out there across the state. So we're really, really working hard to make sure we're going after every opportunity out there. But we also can use some help from all the communities out there to understand, hey, what's next for Alaska? What's the vision for transportation for Alaska? We have two important programs right now uh, that we're actively soliciting projects for. Uh, one is called the Community Transportation Program. We're, we're going to let loose about $120 million dollars. For communities to, to rebuild your local roads and streets and bridges. Um, we also have the, the Transportation Alternatives Program, which is another thirty million dollars to focus on trails, um, sidewalks, those things for non-motorized travel. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and we're also going to be coming out with a, a program that's just focused on bridges, rebuilding bridges that not DOT bridges, but local community bridges as well.
0: DOT Commissioner Ryan Anderson. The Coast Guard medevac a cruise ship passenger in Lynn Canal about 30 miles northwest of Juneau Saturday evening. Watchstanders from the Coast Guard Sector Juneau Command Center received the initial request for the medevac on Friday at 8.50 p.m. from staff personnel aboard the cruise ship Zooter Dam, reporting that the passenger was experiencing medical complications. A Coast Guard Air Station Sitka Jayhawk helicopter crew arrived on scene at 11.13 in the evening, Hoisting the 73 year old man and transporting him to an awaiting Life Med Air crew in Juneau for further transport. The City and Borough of Juneau Community Development Department will host a public information meeting about the Juneau Affordable Housing Fund on this Friday at 3 p.m. via Zoom. The Juneau Affordable Housing Fund is a city fund created to promote the development of affordable housing in Juneau. On July 6th, The Assembly made $2 million from the fund available for use by for-profit and non-profit organizations, public and regional housing authorities, and tribal governments interested in the creation of affordable and middle-income housing in the city. The meeting will provide an overview of the program and the application process. The application period opens September 14th and closes October 30th. With a ballot question being put to Juno voters on whether to bond for a new city hall, what thought has there been in what to do with the old building? Assembly member and candidate Wade Bryson was on Action Line to talk about his thoughts of what to do with the property.
2: Uh, the most likely outcome would be sale of that piece of property. It's a waterfront, commercially zoned. Um, you know, the city to make it city hall has certain requirements as sean mentioned once you hit a price tag you have mandatory requirements because uh, one of the options that we've looked at is stay in the current city hall maybe add a third floor and it it just wasn't practical mm-hmm. you get a private developer that has a different set of rules that they have to operate by um, you know and then we have a different story he says housing is an option as well Uh, We're also in a housing crisis. One of the things that people list all the time, and uh, one of the answers to a lot of Juno's problems, is an increased housing market. So not only does this increase housing by the units that would be able to be freed up in the Marine View apartments, but then I was hoping that the assembly could figure out a way to incentivize somebody to build apartments on that location. Sean Boyley, architect with North Wind Architects, added this. That piece of property
1: is really in a nice margin in the middle of our community. Mm-hmm. It's right on the edge of uh, the, the core of downtown that stays vital and active all winter, as well as being vital and active during our busy tourist season. We're seeing a pretty great rebound in that uh, dis- sector as well. So I would think it would be pretty attractive
0: to a developer to do Something that incorporates both business occupancy and possibly housing as well. Both made the remarks on Action Line. Redevelopment of Telephone Hill could lead to significant housing. That was the word from City Manager Rory Watt on Action Line. He spoke to what the funding sources might be. The Assembly approved
1: $100,000 to uh, come up with a development plan, figure out exactly how to use that property. Um, on the, the municipal ballot in a, you know, that you have right now and, you know, the vote will be tallied in October. On the 1% sales tax, we've included some funding. Uh, we're assuming that any redevelopment plan is going to have costs, so we have $2 million in the 1% sales tax. And so for housing? I think it could turn into some very significant housing projects. Um, there are old structures on the hill uh there are renters in those structures who've rented from the state for nearly 40 years some of them
0: um the state acquired the properties in the in the 80s he says once the area is cleared the city will have more high zoning density land i think the most likely outcome is we'll probably have a demolition
1: project and tear down those historic structures that you know probably have not realistically had enough maintenance um, and we'll probably uh, take the crown off the hill, and we're going to have several acres of uh, uh, high-zoning-density uh, land, uh, and we're going to try and get several hundred living units downtown.
0: City Manager Rory Watt. Members of Juno Jazz and Classics joined Angel Montgomery on Capitol Chat to talk about their fall festival. Yesterday was the kickoff, but Executive Director Sandy Fortier said there are shows every day this week.
4: Tuesday night is jazz at the Jack, and that's with this pianist, Matt Herskowitz, who is a classically trained Juilliard pianist. Wednesday is at the Crystal Saloon with Shelley Watson. And we have a cabaret coming. And then Thursday is a classical concert our artistic director zul bailey he's a grammy award-winning cellist he likes to play when he comes up playing a recital at chapel by the lake with matt herskowitz matt's gonna show off his jazz on tuesday his classical on thursday with zul bailey and then friday shelly watson's back at the crystal saloon for two shows
0: 40 or said their final show will be saturday
4: so on Saturday is Simply 3. They play uh, st- their string trio and they play like the songs that you guys play on your radio, oh, pop wow. songs and rock songs on string trio and jam, the jam program. Their students are going to be playing opening Simply 3. So they'll be there. That one's at 7. That one's at JDHS on Saturday.
0: Tickets are available online or at the door.
4: Tuesday through Friday, we have student through general. It's between 20 and 40 dollars.
0: There's another way to get into concerts.
4: Volunteer at jazzandclassics.org or just go on our website. We have listings, then you get into the concerts for free.
0: The full calendar is available at jazzandclassics.org. Next year, there will also be a week-long spring festival. A new low for gas prices nationwide, not seen since late last February. ABC's Alex Stone reports. While well, most of the country is seeing prices decline, and the energy department reports a price down four more cents in the past week to an average of three sixty-five a gallon. California, which always leads with the highest prices, has seen the cost go up about six cents in the past week to now an average of five twenty-three a gallon for regular unleaded. The blame going to refinery maintenance. The Gulf Coast has the cheapest gas right now at three fifteen a gallon. Alex Stone, EBC News. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.